Well, Happy New Year. I've never been more excited to use that greeting in my life. Uh, happy New Year. Praise God. Happy New Year. Uh, what a journey uh, 2020 has been. Uh, I think most of us would, would probably love to forget about the year 2020, um, but let's not do that. Because when it comes to the sovereignty of God, uh, nothing's meaningless. Nothing's pointless. So while the, the year 2020 was hard, there was a purpose for it. And it would be wise for us to reflect well on 2020 because there are things that God taught us about himself. Amen. And there's also some things that he taught us about ourselves. For me personally, um, 2020 is, is when my wife Rachel and I welcomed in our third daughter, Kinsley Joy, into the world. Uh, she was born in late July, which is right after I came down with COVID in late June. And uh, we really haven't had many COVID cases here at Wayside, praise God. Um, but I think I was like the first known case here at Wayside. I don't know what that means, but uh, it's been kind of cool because um, for other people that have tested positive, I've, I've been able to kind of come alongside and encourage them and just empathize with them a little bit. Um, but I remember June, July, uh, that was kind of when uh, cases first started spiking here in San Antonio, and there's still a lot of unknown out there. And I remember when I went to the Texas Med Clinic and I got tested, and when it came back positive, uh, like this rush of anxiety came over me uh, because my wife was 35 weeks pregnant. Uh, her mom is immunocompromised, and we had just hung out with them. And so all of this fear kind of came over me of like these things that I couldn't control. And I remember the nurse uh, who tested me, she could sense the anxiety in my eyes. And she knew I was a pastor because of the work information I filled out. And she said, Pastor, you know your God's in control, right? Praise God for good nurses. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, and I told her, I said, yes, ma'am, I do. <laughs> and she said, don't forget that. He's going to take care of your wife. He's going to take care of your baby. And she was right. Uh, my wife was fine. Healthy baby girl. Um, she was right. But I remember I went home, self-isolated in my bedroom, uh, while my wife slept with our kids in their bedroom. And uh, I actually celebrated my, my birthday in self-isolation. Okay, here's a picture to prove it. Um, <laughs> my, wife, my wife clearly had some fun. She wasn't too concerned, okay? <laughs> and then uh, my self-isolation ended on July 4th, Independence Day, okay? No joke. As I walked out of my master bedroom into the living room, okay? Freedom, all right? Um, man, what a year, <laughs> What a year. I couldn't have drawn this year up. I'm always going to remember 2020. And I know you are too, because God taught us some things in 2020. Amen. Uh, he taught us some things that we need to be grateful for. Some things that we need to repent of. Some things we need to change. And he also taught us that he's God. He's God. He's He's sovereign, he's good, and nothing is 
meaningless when it comes to the sovereignty of God. Everything happens for a reason. So let's not forget 2020. I asked our staff here at Wayside, I emailed them this past week, and I said, hey, what are some things that you learned in in 2020? And I just want to mention a few of them. One of the pastors said this, he has never been more grateful for in-person schooling. (laughs) A lot of us, man, we got like a whole new level of respect for you homeschool families, right? Yeah, all you homeschool moms like, yeah, yeah, what's up? Okay, respect, okay, y'all deserve it. Okay, it's no joke. Um, one person said, I learned that I am not in control. (laughs) And then in parentheses, she said, and that's a good thing. Uh, Sometimes God has to flip our world upside down in order to help us understand that, doesn't he? And this won't be the last time he does this because we're a prideful people and we think we can do things on our own. And so God at certain moments will be like, "Hey, hey, hey, no, you, no, you can't. You need me and I'm in control. Another person said, hardships and uncertainty really do cause folks to come together. And a lot of you can attest to that. I mean, we've seen that here at Wayside. And as you search the scriptures, you'll see that often when the body of Christ goes through hard times, it strengthens them. They may get smaller in number, but they're strengthened. God has his purposes. And that's why we're going to go through 1 Peter starting next week, because 1 Peter is all about persevering through hard times. Someone else said, uh, she learned that extroverts do not do well with quarantines. And all the extroverts said, amen. (laughs) The introverts are like, man, those are some of the best days of my life. (laughs) Uh, But I think both introverts and extroverts would agree that what 2020 taught us is how important true community really is. Uh, One of our pastors said this, he said, 2020 has provided us with a clear vision of the importance of our own vision statement here at Wayside, which starts with this phrase, Wayside Chapel is a community. If 2020 has taught us anything, we need people. We need people. I know some of you, man, you felt that this year. You never realized how much you need people, but now you do. A few people on staff said this, 2020 has shown us how important it is to reach out to others and to check in in our neighbors. I mean, for a lot of us, 2020 is the first time that we've actually started living like the church because the church is not a building, it's the people. We're the church. And a lot of you have lived that out. You've gone out and you've checked in on people. You've lived out the gospel. Let's keep doing that. Don't forget that. Another pastor said, That the phrase, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, used to be a general thought, but now it's an actual prayer. Church, what did God teach you in 2020? What did he teach you? Don't let last year go to waste, for our God works all things for good, and in his sovereignty there is nothing that is meaningless. And there are many things that he wants us to learn from 2020. So I want to encourage all of us, Let's take some time, if you haven't already, perhaps with a pen and journal in hand, and let's ask the Lord to intentionally remind us some things that he wants us to remember going forward so that we can live more purposeful lives. Well, we're going to be in Psalm 1 this morning, so if you want to go ahead and open there, that'd be great. Um, And we're mainly going to camp out in the first three verses. Uh, But while you're opening your Bibles, 
I'm going to come before the Lord and just ask him to guide our time uh, so that, Lord willing, we can kick off 2021 well. Okay, so would you bow with me? Well, Father God, we need you right now. I need you. Um, if you don't move, we'll just do what we have a tendency to do and just kind of go through the motions and continue to live life like we can do it all by ourselves. And so, God, would you break our hearts for what Psalm 1 says? And would you help us to be like the blessed man that we're going to read about? And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to read from Psalm 1, which is one of the more popular psalms in the Bible, uh, probably because a lot of people have good intentions to read through all of the psalms, but they usually don't get very far, but most of the time they get through Psalm 1, okay? So um, a lot of us know Psalm 1, uh, but people love reading the psalms because in the psalms you have almost every uh, situation possible from the most tragic of situations to the most delightful. And what the psalms do is, is they teach believers how to approach God how to carry on in life regardless what the circumstances may be. Uh, the Psalms are actually meant to be sung. Okay, we're not going to do that today, but they're meant to be sung uh, because the word psalm literally means songs accompanied by musical instruments, which is why people love the Psalms because it's music. And we love music because there's something spiritual about music that, that draws us deeper. You see, music is a form of poetry. And all poetry is, is it's information that is lit up with emotion. Because much of life is not just about what you go through, but about how you felt when you went through it. And we see that in the Psalms. The psalmist wants you to feel what they're going through as they write. Uh, it's why people like Taylor Swift, whether you're a fan of her or not, that's why she's a millionaire. <laughs> because she doesn't just write songs about breaking up with boys. She writes songs about how she feels when she breaks up with a boy. And it resonates with people. Okay. That's the book of Psalms. Um, it expresses the deep passions of humanity. It speaks to the depths of our souls. When you read the Psalms, they're able to bring up the hidden things of the heart. So that repentance and restoration can take place. And what we're going to see in Psalm 1 is we're going to see a contrast between two different types of people. The way of the righteous and the way of the, the wicked. And as you study the Bible, there's really only two paths in life that you can take. There's the righteous way, and there's the wicked way. There, there's no middle ground. There's no gray area. There's no third option. All of us are on one of two paths. We're either on the one leading to righteousness, or we're on the one leading to destruction. That's really what the whole Bible is about. The, the Bible is about two different people. I love the way a theologian by the name of Vandermann puts it. He says this, Bible history seems to be built around the concept of two men, the first Adam and the last Adam, Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, David and Saul. And Bible history culminates with Christ and the Antichrist. Two men, two ways, two destinies. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to honestly look at Psalm 1 and ask ourselves this question. Which path am I on? Am I on the one leading to righteousness or am I on the one leading to destruction? 
And I want us to humbly contemplate how we can better sink our roots so that 2021 can be a year that propels us into a lifetime of worthy endeavors that will last for all of eternity rather than a lifetime of meaningless endeavors that'll lead to destruction. That's where we're heading. So let's read Psalm 1. It says this. How blessed is the man who does does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Well, as we see, Psalm 1 paints a vivid picture of two types of people. The way of the righteous, that's verses 1 through 3. And the way of the wicked, that's verses 4 through 6. But really, what Psalm 1 is, is it's a psalm about being happy. It's a psalm about being happy. The best translation for the word blessed comes from the Hebrew word esher, which means to go straight, to walk, to make progress, to be happy. That's what this word means. And so what Psalm 1 does is it answers the age-old question, how does someone become happy? Which is really the question of all questions. It's, it's what all of us want. Like all of us, I argue that every single one of us, in some way or another, we are searching for happiness. I mean, for a lot of us parents, we want nothing more in life than for our children to be happy. It's what we pray for. Yet the statistics don't lie. We've got more people on antidepressants than ever before. Anxiety and suicide rates are increasing. And they were increasing before COVID even got here. So what's going on? Happiness is something that every human wants, yet very few of us would actually say that we have it. Which is why it would be wise for us to turn our ears to Psalm 1. Because it gives us the formula of that which our hearts yearn for. For the psalmist proclaims there are two paths in life, one that ends in misery and one that ends in happiness. So let's dive in and let's heed his advice. Uh, The psalmist breaks down Psalm 1 into three parts. He starts with verses 1 and 2, talking about a path or road that a happy man avoids. And he contrasts that with a path that the happy man embraces. Then there's this tree imagery by streams of water in verse 3. And then the psalmist goes back to the path or the road illustration in verse 6. So we've got path, stream, path. That's the flow of Psalm 1. And verse 1 starts by saying what the happy guy doesn't do. And he says, here's what the happy guy doesn't do. He says, there are certain types of people that the happy person is not going to allow himself to be influenced by. That's the sinners, the wicked, and the scoffers. Notice the progression in verse 1. There's walking, there's standing, and there's sitting. It starts with walking in the counsel of the wicked 
or allowing oneself to be guided by worldly advice. Then there's standing or conforming to the example of these people. And finally, taking a seat at the table. You've embraced this lifestyle. It's now a part of your identity. There's a natural progression here. You don't just become a certain type of person overnight. You become who you are by a series of consistent, small decisions. And your inner circle of people, whoever they are, will absolutely influence what those small decisions will be. So let's choose them wisely. I remember a freshman year of college when I started following Jesus, um, I decided that, that I needed to make new friends who would help me become the person that I wanted to be. And so I met up with some of my buddies that I used to party with in high school. And I just gently, honestly, lovingly told them, I said, hey, if you're going to go party, don't call me. If you want to throw football, you want to shoot basketball, I'm your guy. But I don't want to be influenced by your decisions anymore because I'm a flawed human and I know my tendencies. I want to go down a different path now, one that's going to lead me towards righteousness, towards Jesus. And so I got off the path of partying. I got on the path towards Jesus and I dove into the church. And I surrounded myself with people who loved Jesus. Not just people who went to church, but people who worshiped the Lord. Not perfectly, but faithfully. People that I knew would push me to do the same. And I dove in. For some of you in 2021, that's what you need to do. I want you to ask yourself, just think about your life. I want you to think about your inner circle of people, the people that surround you, the people you hang with. Do they push you? to be more like Jesus. Now listen, I know we need to be in the world. We need to be a light in a dark world. I get that. But who that inner circle is will absolutely influence who you're going to be. So I want to encourage you in 2021 to dive into the church, to find a community that's going to push you towards Jesus. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight but it will absolutely impact your life for the better. It's interesting. The wicked people in verse 1, the sinners, are not necessarily the most evil people in the world. In the Hebrew, they're just those who have missed the mark. In other words, these are people who have chosen to live life in a manner that doesn't consider God in His ways. They just do whatever they feel. They make decisions based off of whatever they think, not on God's word. In Judges 21, 25, it says this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Has anything changed in 2021? That's always been the message of the world. If it makes you happy, it doesn't matter what it is, go do it. Yet what's ironic is here we are in 2021 People are doing that, they do whatever they want, and they're still not all that happy. So that motto clearly isn't working out for humans. Tom Brady, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, was, was interviewed on 60 Minutes back in 2005 after winning his third Super Bowl. And he said this, quote, There are times where I'm not the person that I want to be. Why do I have these three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? 
I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think God has got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? That's what happens when you seek happiness outside of God. Is there temporal pleasure to be found in this world? Absolutely there is. Go ride a jet ski. They're a blast. (laughs) But all pursuits of happiness outside of God will lead to a dead end. Nothing lasting or substantial will come from it. So the psalmist warns his readers, true happiness isn't found outside of God. Don't go down that road. But he changes gears in verse 2 and he says, but there is a path that will lead you to everlasting happiness. And here's how. Delight yourself in the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Immerse yourself in the scriptures. Sink your roots down into his law. Think about it often because the man who meditates on the law will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Happiness does not come merely by what is avoided, but rather it comes by what is embraced. If you want to find happiness, delight yourself in God's word. Meditate on it day and night. It's interesting. This word meditate literally means to murmur. And it's in the imperfect tense, which means that the happy person keeps on meditating. They repeat God's word to themselves over and over and over again. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, was asked why he meditated, and he replied, because I'm a Christian. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. A lot of us know Joshua 1.9 where the Lord calls Joshua to be strong and courageous. But how did Joshua attain that strength and courage? By meditating on the law day and night. That's where his strength came from. We were made to meditate. God designed us with a capacity to meditate. And now more than ever, with all the distractions that we have all around us, we must make meditation a focal point in our lives in 2021. Microsoft did a study in 2015 and found that the average human attention span was eight seconds, which means y'all checked out like 20 minutes ago. (laughs) The average American checks their smartphone every four minutes, said one study, if not more. Some of you are like, yeah, but most of the time I'm on my Bible app. No, you're not. (laughs) Now listen, I'm not pointing a finger at you I'm pointing the finger at myself because I've got the attention span of a golden retriever. <laughs> like, y'all, like, I, I am so easily distracted. Like, social media, I can get on Facebook and just watch dumb videos for a crazy amount of time. I'll, I'll read football articles, uh, which I'm not saying that stuff's bad to do every once in a while, but it, it just distracts me from things that really matter. I was thinking about it this past week. I mean, the hard part about preaching is it makes you think about the scriptures deeply. (laughs) 
And then I've got to ask myself, am I applying what I preach? And to be honest with you, I was kind of reflecting on the past few months, and I was like, man, no. Like, it's been a whirlwind. Like, like obviously, like COVID. And then I was thinking of excuses. Like, okay, but I had a baby. Right? My wife did in July. We moved homes. All sorts of excuses I could think of of why I don't meditate. What's yours? We all have our reasons. We all have our excuses. But there is a path that leads towards happiness. But it will not come apart from delighting in God's word and meditating on it day and night. Proverbs 23 verse 7 in the New King James says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You think about that which you value. Whatever we enjoy, we think about and pursue. And the mind will always conform upon which it concentrates. What we think about, what we concentrate on, will determine what kind of habits are developed, which is going to affect how we treat people, how we love. We were made to align ourselves with God's word to concentrate deeply on what it says. And as we do so, as we sink our roots into God's word, as we plant ourselves the way that God intended us to do, we will become like a tree planted by streams of water, which will produce much fruit. That's verse 3. As we live according to God's word, we will express ourselves in ways that give life to other people. That's what fruit does. Fruit nourishes others. That's what happens when you delight yourself in God's word. You become a blessing to other people. And many of us can affirm that. Some of the most beautiful people that we know on this planet are those who have made God's word their delight. And as I thought about that, uh, my mind immediately went to a couple in our church, Ken and Beth Cleck who I've gotten to know really well over the past few years because they're extremely involved in our singles ministry. Ken Clegg was a partner of mine in ministry. But more than that, he was a dear friend. And our, uh, our prayers are with the Clegg family. I know they're watching right now. We love y'all. But Ken and Beth Clegg are some of the most beautiful people that I know. I'm not just saying that. Some of the most beautiful people that I know And it's not a coincidence that they are obsessed with God's word. Ken Clegg memorized the entire book of Philippians, for crying out loud. Beth Clegg is a part of like 58 different Bible studies. (laughs) Because they can't get enough of God's word. And his word just oozes out of them. I know a lot of y'all here, y'all have experienced that because it just affects every single person that they come in contact with. Because those who delight themselves in God's word will bear much fruit. But fruit bearing doesn't happen overnight. Um, Brenda McCord, the women's director here at Wayside, uh, she gave my wife a tangerine tree as a gift um, a couple months ago. And I planted that thing in our backyard. And uh, the next day, my daughters walked out there, and they were all mad. They're like, where are the tangerines at? <laughs> like, I thought this was a tangerine tree. What's, what's the deal, Dad? Where are they at? 
But you and I know that that's not how fruit trees work. Even if you do all the right things, perfect environment, good soil, good water, it takes time for fruit to grow. Some of you this morning are tired. I can see it in some of your eyes. You're worn out. You're doing all the right things, not perfectly, but faithfully. You're reading God's word. You're praying. You're trying to obey God, but you're not seeing much fruit. Can I just encourage you? Keep going. Stay on that path. Stay on that path. Keep sinking your roots, and I promise you that in season, that fruit's going to appear. But fruit bearing is often a slow process. But it'll come in season. So just be faithful. Be faithful. Notice in verse 3 that the leaf on that tree planted by the water does not wither. Even when bad times come, that leaf stays strong. If you ever go down to the Guadalupe River, um, you'll see trees like this on the screen. Um, Man, that thing didn't just appear overnight. (laughs) But over time, as it sunk its roots down in the soil next to that river, as its roots got deeper and deeper and deeper, that tree got stronger and stronger and stronger. And now if the Guadalupe River floods, that tree ain't going nowhere. Its leaf will not wither. And it's the same for us who plant ourselves in God's word. Even when hard times come, we're going to endure because our roots go deep and we got a river that will not run dry no matter what the circumstances may be. And 2020 is a testament of that. For a lot of you, you're still going because those roots are deep. Because our God's, His Word, man, He's faithful. He's faithful. And we're going to endure and our leaf will not wither. But that will not be so for those who refuse to plant themselves in God's Word. As verse 4 points out, they'll be like shaft, the meaningless husk that is separated from the grain during harvest time. Literally, they'll be blown away. They will not endure. The person that doesn't care about God and just does whatever they want, I'm just going to do however I please, they're not going to prosper. They will not produce any lasting fruit. And ultimately, they will not be able to stand before God when judgment day comes. Because there is a future judgment that is sure to come. And on that day, it's going to be revealed what path you have chosen. Those who have made the Lord their delight, they will endure. But those who have trusted in themselves or other things besides God will be destroyed. Now, here's what I don't want to do as we end our time today. I don't want to end our time with everybody thinking, all right, if I read my Bible, I'll be happy. If I don't read my Bible, I won't be happy. Uh, That's not what's going on here. Notice that the blessed man delights in the law. Like the blessed guy, here's why this is interesting. The blessed guy isn't meditating on Philippians. He's meditating and delighting in books like Leviticus. Some of you are like, how in the world would someone be happy from meditating on Leviticus? That sounds like punishment. (laughs) But that's what's going on here. Okay, Let me tell you why. There's a bunch I could say about the law. In the Old Testament. 
But simply put, what the law ultimately teaches us is that God is supremely holy. He's supremely holy. There's no one like him. And he is completely just. And he's going to deal with sin, which is bad news if you're a sinner. Because all of us have sin. And if God's going to deal with us according to our sin, and Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, that is bad news for us. But if you read Leviticus, you'll see that God put in place this sacrificial system where you could take an innocent animal and you could take it to the altar in faith. And as that animal perished, it was as if your sin nature perished with it. And then you walked away forgiven and free. And ultimately, what this sacrificial system pointed to was to this ultimate innocent one, and his name was Jesus. The law was a tutor that pointed us to him. And when Jesus shows up, he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. I'm the path in Psalm 1 that will lead you to everlasting happiness. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus died on the cross was so that you could be known by God and not worry about fearing perishing. That's where true happiness is found. And so I want to end our time and just close and say, okay, if there's anybody here that has never really trusted in Jesus, for the salvation of your sins, I want to let you know that true joy is available for you if you will turn from your sin and trust in Christ. He dealt with it. And maybe some of you are listening online. This is the first time you've checked in on church in a while. Or others of you, it's like, you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've been checking off rules. I can't convince you to believe in Jesus, but I can beg you to consider him. Would you consider the person of Jesus? He might just be the path of happiness that you've always been searching for. For the rest of us, let me end with this question. Is your life rooted in the word of God? Not do you read your Bible every once in a while, not do you come to church, but are you rooted in God's word? Do you meditate on it day and night? Are you submitted to its instruction? Is it shaping how you're living your life? Is there fruit in your life that's blessing other people? If your answer is humbly, um, Jason, currently, no, that's not true of my life. Well, then let me encourage you real quick. You're not alone. I just confess to you that I've been having a hard time the past few months as well. But it's a new year. I'm not, I'm not a big, like, New Year's resolutions guy. But sometimes they can be helpful. And why not make 2021 a year where we sink our roots deep into the word of God and do that together as a church. Okay, what if like five minutes a day you set aside time just to get into God's word? Five minutes. And then throughout the day you meditated on it and just did your best to keep reminding yourself of that verse. And we'd love to help you with that. We have Bible studies and Sunday morning classes that can assist you. We've got other people that want to do the same thing so that you won't be alone and we can hold each other accountable. And begin to start to experience the joy that we are meant to experience. Because there are only two paths in life. You're either walking towards God or you're walking away from God. There is no third option. So church, let's be like trees planted by streams of water in 2021. Who yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and who prospers in whatever he or she does. And I can't think of a better way to kick off 2021 
than to take communion together as a body. As we, as we reflect on Christ's death and as we pray to become men and women who would delight in God's word. Um, if you're joining us online, we'd love for, for you to participate in communion with us. If you don't have your elements, now's the time to go quickly and just get whatever you have, crackers, juice, whatever you got. For those of you in person, um, if you take that cup that you have, that top layer, you'll pull that back to access the bread. And then there's another layer you got to peel to get to the juice. If you want to do that right now, that'd be great. But before we even take communion, um, I'm going to give you a moment just to come before the Lord silently in prayer. Because if you're like me, you'll have a tendency to go through communion, just go through the motions, right? All right, drink the juice, eat the bread, go home. It's a sacred moment that Christ gave us in order to remember what Jesus did and in order to come before him and say, God, make me new. Help me to sink my roots deep into your law. Okay, so let's, let's take some time just to pray and ask God to prepare our hearts as we take communion and then I'll guide us together here in a minute. Okay, so let's do that right now. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, the body of Christ, take and eat. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Church, the blood of Christ, take and drink. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we, are, we come before you right now in 2021 and we just want to express our gratitude that because of Christ, we're not, a, we're not bound by our sin, we're not bound by what we do or don't do. We're bound by the free gift that Christ gave us on the cross and through his resurrection that because of him, there's grace for us. We can start over anytime we want. So even right now, this Sunday morning, we can start over again. And so, God, would you help us to do that? Lord, we, we beg, we plead, would you help us to make 2021 a year where we would sink our roots into your word and then live it out so that we can be a blessing to others? We need your help in order to do that, God, please. That's our desire. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you online, thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week. God bless.